And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Carry on all the wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode two of Lupa's Bits. Um, I was going to wait until later to do this, but something just came up, and hopefully Dave can filter out all of the background noise, because there's a lot going on. It's the middle of the day. Uh, I tried to find the quietest place in the entire house, which is the pool room, so there might be a bit of an echo. Um, but I just jumped on Twitter, and I saw I was reading some stuff, and it kind of raised a question for me that I want to address. So I get a little controversial. Thank you. Oh, I do want to say thank you very much, everybody who tuned into episode one and made it such a huge success. I was tickled pink, um, which inspired me to do episode two. So, but I might lose some listeners on this one. We'll see. Because <laughs> I'm not exactly sure how my opinion of this particular topic goes yet. I'm still processing how I feel. So there's a well-known author that has, as of late, been making some comments on her Twitter that indicate she may not be supportive of the LGBTQ community, uh, trans rights to be exact. So the question that's going around right now is whether or not you should stop reading um, somebody's work because you don't like their personal politics. So if you've enjoyed somebody's work for, say, 10, 15 years, however long they've been writing, you've been following their career, you've been reading their stuff, and you learn that their political beliefs don't, or their spiritual beliefs for that matter, don't mesh with yours, do you stop supporting their work, even though you have enjoyed it for years and you really like their stuff? What do you do? Me, I'm kind of torn because I've always been of the belief that each individual person is entitled to their beliefs and their opinions. And like they say, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. So if you got mad every time you heard an opinion you didn't like, then you would probably be mad at 99.9% of the people that you know. That being said, what if their personal opinions and their beliefs affect an entire community, like the trans community? and can actually cause harm to said community. Because you do have the people out there, the zealots, they're out there, that will take a famous person's words and take them to the extreme. So because this particular writer, and I'm discussing it because it is a writer, so because this particular writer 
has an issue with the trans community and doesn't believe that a trans woman is a real woman, she's going to voice those opinions and she's going to have fans and followers that are going to take that as an indication to promote and perpetuate hate. Now, you can look at it. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment. I'm going to jump onto the other side of the fence. So, you've got this writer, very famous writer, has put out a ton of work, has billions of dollars in net worth, has a huge platform to be heard from, is now perpetuating what can be classified as hate speech. Um, in it, it, Dressed up as her opinion, she is entitled to her opinion, but she is saying all of these things, and then you have that fringe element that is going to take what she says as a right to go and attack those people. I don't agree with that. I think everybody is entitled to their personal opinions, but if you are in the public eye, and you have a large amount of influence over people. You need to be very, very careful what you're putting out there, especially if you have, like many famous authors and actors and singers and musicians and anybody with a large following, whether you're... Hollywood famous, whether you're literary famous, whether you're TikTok famous, I don't care. If you have a large following, if you have a large platform of people that listen to what you say, that pay attention to what you say, you need to be very careful about what you're putting out there. Because they're going to take what you say, they're going to agree with you, and they're going to go to their friends who agree with you. And they're, yeah, 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 all right, yeah. Well, she said, or he said, or they said. Well, we need to do something about this. Show our solidarity that we stand with them. And then you have problems. Because you get, like I said, you get that fringe element that will take it that one step further. Well, she doesn't agree with this group. He doesn't agree with that group. They don't like that kind of person. Let's get rid of them. They're famous. They have lots of money. They have influence. It must be wrong. Let's get rid of them. That doesn't work for me. Um, I'm, I'm sort of in the public eye. I kind of have a platform of followers, of people that do... Tune in every week and listen to what I say. They follow me on Facebook. They follow me on Instagram. They follow me on TikTok. I have a very small, it's very small, but it is a public platform. And I am always, always cognizant of what I say of what I do, of what I put out there. Now, my private accounts, those are my private accounts, and only my friends can see what I post on my private accounts. 
And over there, oh, I am opinionated and I share my personal views. I mean, I'm not shy about what I believe. If you ask me, I will tell you. I'm very honest. I'm very open about who I am, what I am, and what I believe. But I'm not going to go onto one of my social media platforms and start saying that this person is not a real person or is not who they identify as because they don't do this or they don't do that. I'm going to be very careful about what I put out there because I don't want to perpetuate the violence. I don't want to perpetuate the hate. I don't want to perpetuate the bigotry and the racism. And I'm finding a lot of public figures, whether they're sports or entertainment or political, are using their public platforms to spread their personal agendas. Which, yeah, I know, I get it. That's what you do. But when those personal agendas are affecting and hurting other people, you need to stop. You need to step back and you need to go, wait a minute. I can change this. I can do something for good, for better. I can make it better. I can control what I'm putting out there and what people are hearing and what people are listening to and what people are thinking from what I'm saying and make a better narrative. I can change the narrative. That's fine. If you don't agree with the LGBT community, that is fine. That is your personal opinion. You are entitled to it. In Canada and the U.S., our military has fought for the right for us to be different, for us to have different opinions, for us to express those different opinions. You don't have the right to force it on other people. And if you are in the public eye, like this particular writer is, you have a responsibility to make sure you're not making a bigger problem out of a one that already exists. Transphobia is huge. People in the trans community die every single day just because of who they are. Who am I to say that they're not male? Who am I to say they're not female? I have trans friends. A lot of them. I have gay friends. I have lesbian friends. I have... Oh, hello, Mr. Bumblebee. I have a bumblebee hanging out with me. But who am I to say that the way they live, the way they feel, the way they identify is wrong? It's not my business. I'm not them. I don't know what they're feeling or what they're experiencing inside. So I can't tell them they're wrong. And the one, I think the one comment that bothered me the most is... The one that was made that said the true measure of a woman is the fact that she menstruates. If she doesn't menstruate, she's not a woman. Okay. Now, taken, she probably meant at any point in a woman's life, but I no longer do that. I have had a hysterectomy. Does that make me any less of a woman? In her eyes, maybe it does. I don't think so. I don't think the measure of a woman is what she can do with her body. 
the female species can give birth. But that doesn't, you know, mean you're a woman. There's a lot of trans, there's a lot of, of, trans, of women that identify as male. Their bodies can still give birth, but does that make them a woman? I, who am I to say? It's, it's not my place to pass an opinion on that. But as having a public forum, it is my place to promote tolerance. It is my place to promote understanding. It is my place to promote peace and love and acceptance. If you can't accept, then don't be around it. Don't, you don't like snakes, you don't kill every snake you see. You don't like bees, you don't kill every bee you see. So you don't like trans people, you don't have to kill every trans person you see. I just think if you have a public forum, you need to be careful, very, very careful. As a writer myself, I know there are things that <clears throat> I have to be very careful what I write about. I have to be very careful about the way that I write about them. I have to do a lot of research if I'm writing about subjects that I'm not personally involved in. I just finished writing a book um, in February. And a large part of that book is based within the lesbian community. I'm not a lesbian. I have lesbian friends. But I had to do a lot of research and a lot of, of um, talking to people to make sure that I represented that part of the community to the best of my ability. Because I didn't want to get it wrong. And I didn't want to say something or put something or put them in a situation that was going to offend that community because I'm not part of the community so I don't know all the ins and outs of it probably a bad choice of words but anyway that's a little haha there so you have to be very I, I believe you have to be very very careful with what you do and what you say and how you say it on a public forum I mean We've all seen, time and time again, where an actor or an actress or a politician has said something and the public believe that everything that comes out of their mouth is the God's gospel truth have gone and incited riots and done horrible, horrible things because their idol said they didn't belong. They shouldn't be here. This is wrong. That is wrong. They're not real people. And once you start looking at a certain group as not being real people, then we have a serious problem because it's very easy for that wave to spread. And it's very easy for that kind of thinking and mindset to spread. People on their own, persons on their own, are free thinkers and are critical thinkers. But 
and it has been proven. You can argue with me all you like. It has been proven. People as a large group end up having herd mentality. They are sheeple and they will go with the most dominant thought from the most dominant people within that herd. There's also a lot going around and you, you can see I've kind of danced around the topic because it is such a hotbed of discussion right now is all of the rioting and the looting and everything that's going on um, with the Black Lives Matter movement. I fully support Black Lives Matter. And I have had close friends, actually, very close friends. We have gotten into a disagreement over um, the movement and have agreed to disagree. Doesn't change our friendship. We have agreed to disagree. But I've had people tell me, well, all lives matter. Yes, all lives matter. As a white person, and I am a pasty white person. If you've met me, you know. My Irish shows through. I am pasty white. Red hair and freckles. Sunburnt in the summer. I have two colors. White and lobster. I know I have white privilege. I am well aware of that. And I will use that privilege to speak up for those that don't have it. And I, I was in Georgia many, 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 many years ago. And I never even thought about it. I was raised in a small town. We had maybe two African-American people in the entire town. We had a handful of Chinese, um, a lot of Pakistani and Indian. And we're native territory, so the, the um, Mohawks and the Iroquois, which are the tribes that are up there, outnumbered the white folk, which was fine. You know, I didn't grow up in a prejudiced town. I didn't grow up in a prejudiced family. I didn't recognize or even notice the different colors of skin. It just, everybody looked different. Everybody looked different. You have blonde hair, you have brown hair, you have green eyes, you have blue eyes. Big deal. It was not a big deal. And then I went to Georgia about 20 years ago. 15 years ago, maybe. And I was in the Piggly Wiggly. I'm standing in line. And I was talking to this nice gentleman that was behind me. We were just shooting the breeze, talking about, you know, the weather. And nothing really important. I mean, he wasn't flirting with me. I wasn't flirting with him. We were just chatting while we waited in line. It's what people do. And I had this older man, white guy, come over to me and tell me that a nice girl like me should not be talking to the likes of him. Now, the likes of him was an African-American, and it completely blew my mind. I couldn't understand. He was well-dressed. He was well-spoken. He what, didn't look like an axe murderer or a serial killer, because, you know, they all look like your next-door neighbor. I, I, um, what do you mean the likes of him? And I said that to the guys. What do you mean the likes of him? Is there something wrong with him? And he said, and he, pardon, I'm not going to say the word because I can't stand the word, but he used the N-word. And I was 
completely floored. You mean I can't talk to somebody because of the color of their skin. And this is in Georgia. Well after, you know, the slaves were freed. So I, I don't... I don't understand racism and bigotry. I don't because I'm not. So I have a very hard time wrapping my brain around that concept. But that's the first time that I experienced what people call white privilege. I was immediately, immediately classified as a nice girl. And I shouldn't be talking to the likes of him. Now, let me tell you, where I was, was in the Bible Belt in Georgia, where there's a church in every parking lot. It was actually a dry county, which means, oh no, it wasn't a dry county. Um, you could sell alcohol in this county, but how they got around it, because it was in the Bible Belt, is they built a church in the parking lot of every grocery store. So you can't sell alcohol within 500 feet of a church, so the grocery stores couldn't sell alcohol. So it was kind of a forced dry county. Anyway, right in the Bible Belt, in the Southern Bible Belt, and I'm thinking, you're looking at me because I am a white girl wearing a skirt, my hair's in a bun, I have, you know, a nice tank top on. You think I'm a nice girl. I can guarantee you, if I had have told him I was not a Christian, his opinion would have changed in a heartbeat. But because of the way I looked, because of the color of my skin, I was automatically assumed as a nice girl. Because of the color of the gentleman's skin that I was talking to, I wasn't supposed to be talking to the likes of him. See where I'm going with this? So that was my first real experience with white privilege. And I started paying attention after that. And it's a thing. I don't care what you say. It is a thing. I have experienced it. I've seen it. I've watched it. And I think those of us that support Black Lives Matter, that is why we support it. Yes, all lives matter. But as a white person, we don't have to go around defending who we are because of the color of our skin. We get privilege. We're not pulled over in a nice neighborhood driving a nice car because we're white. We're not automatically assumed guilty because of the color of our skin because we're white. We are actually entitled to a fair trial, whether it is by public opinion or in a court of law, because of the color of our skin. And that's not right. That's not fair. And the same thing happens in the LGBT. Let's try that again. That's a whole lot of letters, okay? LGBTQ community. They get shunned and they get treated differently. If you, if if a trans woman walks into a store, and you could tell that they haven't been able to have the surgery because the surgery is optional. You have to pay for that. It's not covered by OHIP or medical. It's not a, a needed medical. It's deemed not a needed medical procedure. Even though the mental health of that patient 
could be at risk because of the way their body is in contrast to the way their spirit or their, their who they are, um, they're treated differently. My friend Kate, prime example, fears for her life every time she goes out. Fears for her life every time she goes out. That's wrong. Nobody should be afraid to go to the store. Nobody should be afraid to go to the store. White people aren't. We can go to the store. We can walk down the street. We can jump in the car and off we go. Across the border, you're barely given a glance. My mom and I went to Florida in February and, yeah, you know, chatted up the, the border patrol and barely looked us over and off we went. Talk about the perfect cover for a drug mule. Old lady and her, and her daughter. But because we were white. Bet you if we had been a different color, it would have been a different story. But I've kind of gone on from a writer's rant to <laughs> just a rant in general. Um, and I think that's what this podcast is going to end up being, is, is my opinion and things that have pissed me off. And <clears throat> jumping onto Twitter, I was, I was just about to sit down and do some serious writing because I've got some serious writing I need to do. And I jumped onto Twitter and I started seeing all of these tweets about this particular writer. And they're these people no longer fans of her writing and this is why. And so I dug a little deeper and I looked a little more into it and uh, found out why everybody was so up in arms about it and uh, what the problem was. And, yep, you all know me. I ended up with an opinion. <laughs> and I thought, hey, you know what? I have a podcast for that now. So I decided I was going to jump over here and I was going to give you my opinion. I'm not exactly sure if I've given you my opinion on it. More so than I have gone on a rant about what public figures as a whole should do. I mean, you do have the public figures out there that do do do, haha, I said do do, do things for good, do put out positive information and positive um, appearances and, and positive posts, and they avoid the controversial. And then you have people who do nothing but. I mean, you have James Patterson, who kind of alienated half of his following um, just by a simple post that he made. His opinion is, is his opinion. Who he likes politically is his business. It was the way he said it. Um, Stephen King, one of the more vocal people about his political opinion. Um, Chad Lindbergh, I could, there's a list, a long list of people who are using their public platforms for their personal opinions. I am personally, see, I'm going to use my public platform now for my personal opinion. 
I am personally of the belief that if you have a public platform, if you have a large public following, or even like me, a small public following, you need to be very careful about what you're putting out there, what you're perpetuating, what your listeners, your fans, your followers may take what you're saying and do. I don't want to say something and have, because I do have stalkers, I do have, I'm starting to gain a couple of really um, crazy fans that have done and said and sent a few messages that have kind of given me pause. Um, Needless to say, I've now started a folder and I'm keeping all of this stuff. But anyway, um, I don't want to say something in my opinion and have those people go and do something to show me that they they agree. Like, you know, uh, maybe I'll say the talking Elmo is possessed by Satan. And then all of a sudden I have all my zealot fans going out and setting fire or blowing up or burning down the stores that are selling these talking Elmos. You see where I'm going with that? And that's what happens. When somebody with a large platform puts out a very strong personal opinion, it creates very strong emotional reactions. And that's what I was seeing on Twitter. Like it was going um, in, people are supporting fully and they're right behind her and they're not going to stop reading because they love her work and, you know, this and that and she's right and blah, blah, blah. And then there was the complete opposite side of that where, you know, that's it, I hate her, I'm going to boycott any store that sells her work and and I'm going to boycott the TV channels that show the movies of her books. And you see, it swings, the pendulum swings drastically in both directions. And it's the swing in the negative direction that scares me the most. I don't think, and I know it's, it's wishful thinking. I know this isn't how the world works. You are judged by who you are. Your work is judged by who you are and by what you do and by what you say. It's just the way it is. You know, I'm pretty sure when I came out and said that I'm not a Christian, that I don't follow a Christian path, I follow an alternative path, I can guarantee you I lost listeners. I can guarantee you I lost followers. Guarantee you. Because you are judged by what you say, by who you are and what you do. Whether you're in the public eye or not. It's not as prominent in private because you generally tend to move within a group of friends that share similar interests. But in the public eye, you have this group that have started following you and and like you because of your work. They don't know you. And then they start to know you and decide, ow, I think I just got stung. (laughs) 
Apparently the wildlife doesn't like what I'm saying. And then they start to know you and they start to find things out about you. And, and I, you say one thing and you can lose. But the point I'm trying to make is you say the wrong thing. You say something very emotionally charged that can create a very emotionally charged response that's the problem I think I believe fully believe and you can ask anybody who knows me personally and publicly what I say personally what I say to my friends what I say on my private pages my private social media stuff here even well I mean even here I'm kind of still cognizant of what I'm saying of what I'm putting out there I mean you ask me I will tell you I'm very open I will answer any questions you have about any part of my life But I'm very cognizant of the personal opinions that I put out. And I will also put a disclaimer. The personal opinions expressed in the preceding podcast are not the opinion, do not reflect the opinions or the beliefs of the network it is attached to or the people attached to it. These are my own. This is my own. (laughs) So... Don't be giving Dave or anybody any flack about something that you don't like that I say, come at me. You can come directly at me. I can take it. I'm a big girl. Well, not as big as I was because I've been working my butt off of my sisters, so. But I'm a strong girl. Go on TikTok, look up. Built like a hobbit. You'll see what I mean. I have the upper body strength of a Clydesdale and legs like Zeus. <laughs> I will drop kick a mofo to the moon. Anyway, the rant I was I was going off on. My point is, be very careful about what you're putting out into the public when you are in the public eye. Whether you're a little dot in the public eye or a big dot in the public eye, if you have any sort of following at all, do not perpetuate hate. Do not perpetuate racism or bigotry. If that's what you believe, that's perfectly fine. You're wrong, but that's perfectly fine. But don't put it on your public platform. That is your personal, private opinion. Keep it there. Okay, I'm getting off my soapbox. Now I'm going to tell you a funny story because I'm going to make this a little light. It got a little dark there for a minute. I was a little ranty because I was a little angry. So anyway, I'm going to tell you a person. I've been at my sister's. And we've been, you've probably heard over, if you listen to um, <clears throat> my Mythbits podcast, we've been cleaning up and working and I've been helping with the renos and all of that stuff. So my sister and I loaded up the trailer and we did a dump run, met a tree. <laughs> That's what I call them, the tree. So the second day, the second dump run, 
we pull into the driveway for the dump. And my sister all of a sudden lets out this ear-shattering scream. Now keep in mind, we are locked inside her SUV, windows up, air conditioning going. She could have broken glass with this scream. So she lets out this scream. I am now plastered to the window of the car going, what the hell did you hit? Because she slammed on the brakes at the same time. I look over at her and she's curled as far away from the driver's side window as she can possibly get. And she's pointing. Because we had come through, there's a checkpoint right before you turn in. And because of COVID-19, they only are letting so many people in the dump at a time, like the stores. So you have to wait in line. And they have a checkpoint outside of the dump. And she had rolled the window down to talk to the guy. And he said, you know, drive on in and get on the scale. Well, as she rolled the window back up, she saw a spider. Now, the spider was about the size of a green pea. He was a decent-sized spider. I don't like spiders. My sister is phobic when it comes to spiders. She will run you over, plow you down, burn the place to the ground to avoid a spider. So she's now stopped in the middle of the driveway of the dump, practically in my seat. And she's pointing at the spider on the outside of the closed window. And she's losing her ever-loving mind. She's like, I can't, I can't go onto the scale because I have to roll the window down to talk to the lady. I can't do it because there's a spider. I'm like, Heather, it'll blow away. She's like, no, there's a spider. I can't do it. And like, she is frozen in fear of this spider. So I had to get out of the car, go around to her side with a tissue and kill the spider. Well, now I have this tissue with this squash. I, had to sh- I showed it to her to make sure she knew it was, it was squashed. didn't just run away and hide somewhere. I killed it. So now I have to get back in the vehicle with this tissue. Because you can't just throw it on the ground. Yes, you're at the dump, but I'm not quite in the dump yet. So I get back in the car. And now she's plastered to the driver's side door. Because now the spider's in the car. Dead, yes, it is a smear on the tissue. But it's in the car. So now she's plastered against the door. She's like, don't come at me with that. I'm not gonna... Our brother, <laughs> as much as we love our brother, our brother has a sadistic streak. He used to do, he used to kill the spiders for her and then he would chase her with the Kleenex. So I've got the Kleenex. Excuse me while I kill that bug. All right. Bug lives do not matter. <laughs> okay, I was just, anyway. So now I have this Kleenex and I don't know what to do with this Kleenex with the spider because if I put it down somewhere in the car, she's going to bolt from the car. So we get up to the window and she's still shaking and I still have the Kleenex. She rolls the window down and there's a web. She screeches. We talk to the lady and we go. So now I I still have this squooshed spider in the Kleenex in my hand. And I'm trying to find a place to where I can casually dump it and she not notice. Because if she sees it, she's going to run. So we had a bunch of shingles we had to get rid of, so we took the shingles over, we got rid of the shingles. There was a dumpster with garbage garbage in it, so I put it in there and it was done. And I got rid of it. We get back in the car and she's still kind of pressed up against the door and it's like, it's okay, it's gone. I got rid of it. It's out there. She made me prove it. <laughs> I had to show her all over where I was sitting that that squashed Kleenex with the squashed spider was no longer within the vicinity of her body. So 
we get back to the house. And I think it was like the next night. I go into my room to change into jammies because it's movie time. So I'm putting my jammies on and I sleep in the music room, the new music room that they built. And my sister comes in to get the blanket because she wants to curl up on the blanket on the couch. And I happen to see out of the corner of my eye this black thing up in the corner. Now, there's a few painting snafus. There's a couple of spots on the trim that need to be touched up. No big deal. I figured that's what it was. Didn't have my glasses on, so I couldn't see because it was a fair distance and it was like high up. So my sister comes in. She wraps herself up in the blanket and she freezes and her face goes white. And I'm looking at her and I follow her line of sight and it's right up into that corner, which is pretty much almost right over my bed. Sure enough, that big black dot that was about the size of a quarter is a spider. So now my ass is frozen to the bed because I'm thinking that thing has been crawling around in this room while I've been sleeping, which means it's been crawling on me. I'm good if I can see them. I don't like it when I can't see them and there could be crawling and on me and stuff. No, I don't like that. So she is now slowly backing out of the room, leaving me in there defenseless with the spider. And all I kept saying is, get a tall boy. Get a tall boy. Not the cans of beer, although that would have been good at that point in time. I needed a tall boy to come and kill it. Because A, I'm done. I'm over it. I cannot kill any more spiders. I've, I, no. And B, I'm only five foot three and it's about eight feet tall. It's way up there. Wearing leather, carrying switchblades, tattoos looking at me like it's going to get me he's going to kill me in my sleep so she sends in a tall boy who still actually had to get a ladder a step stool to get up there and get it he got up there he got it he disposed of it it was good no more spider so now i'm paranoid i go in there i shake everything everything and i'm looking and every time i see like a little spot or something on the wall i'm thinking is that a spider I'm checking over my head. I know the pool room is good for now because I cleaned it, which is where I'm doing the podcast right now because it's the quietest room in the house at the moment because everybody's awake. It is 1.52 in the afternoon. So, but I saw that on Twitter and I, immediately I have this podcast that I can go and I can get this off my chest. I can get it. I can vent it. Somebody will listen because nobody here wants to hear me go on. They're family. They don't care. <laughs> they listen to me rant all the time. So, okay. Well, I think I'm going to end this podcast on that funny note. Um, and I will chat with you all next week. Until then, have a good one. Uh, bye-bye. There'll be peace when you are done Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry